0: So thank you so much, Kareen, for joining me and having this conversation. And we are going to, well, we'll get into it. But before we get into it, I want to have Kareen introduce herself. Sure.
1: Uh, My name is Kareen, Kareen Delise Kircher. That's my maiden name. And actually the name under which I published my first book a couple of years ago, Waking Up From Your Parent's American Dream. Mm -hmm. So I've owned a technology consulting business for the past uh, six and a half years. And over the years, people have always asked me for advice, like, will you coach me? And I've been like, no, 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 that's not what I do. I just do my tech consulting. But I would end up helping people anyway. So I ended up writing the book about how to get ahead because I spent a lot of time and a lot of effort doing that in my career before I decided to launch into having my own consulting business. And in recent years, I also started coaching folks to help them take the first rungs of the ladder. A lot of people think, oh, you need investors and you need this and you need that. And they end up going through so many rabbit holes that they end up forgetting what they initially wanted to do. So I I try to help people focus on just the basics that they need to get started. Because for me, it took nine years of saying I wanted to do something until I actually got the courage to do it. And you know what? I didn't know much more the day I decided to go for it than the day I first said, I want my own business, even if it's small, even if it's tiny, I just want something that belongs to me. That's really what I wanted initially. And then it grew into more. So I love connecting with other entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. exchange ideas and get to know people. I love getting to know people. I'm a connector. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm the list lady for a lot of, uh, places and I, I just connect people and find what they need and I find, you know, clients sometimes for people.
0: Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. So tell me what is the name of your book, the book that you have about getting ahead? The
1: book is Waking Up from Your Parents' American Dream.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah. So I honestly am still figuring out where I'm going to put this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if if and when I will be somewhere close by, so like Okay. So We were in a Facebook group and you had said, I can't remember what the prompt was, but it was something about, you know, great business advice or what advice would you give?
1: Yeah. What's the best advice you would give?
0: Yes. And do you remember what you said? Yes. What I had
1: said was let other people speak first and then what you need to say will come to you. It'll be presented to you. And the reason for that is a lot of times people are looking for, I apologize. My boy is in the room here, that's okay. and um, <laughs> that's what the we're, background noise is. If you can we're
0: family-friendly here.
1: <laughs> yeah, <it's> good. <laughs> well, my cat. I call him my boy. Um, so I can't close my door without him wanting to know what I'm doing. Is mommy okay? okay. So anyway, I, I have done a lot of speaking engagements, and sometimes I don't always know everybody in the audience. I may know just a couple people before I go in. Or if I'm doing a q and ai I don't necessarily know what questions people are going to ask. So there's no need to worry myself to death and try to have a, a canned answer pr- prepared. And I have found that a lot of times just regular conversation brings out a lot more information that, that, that I would ask if I had a plan to specifically walk people through, a a questioning process. So sometimes you discover so much more in just a conversation with
0: someone. And um, I like that. I like that discovery process. You never know where it can lead. And I'm just just like writing, I'm just taking notes on that. Sometimes a regular conversation brings out more than having like a scripted sales conversation, right? Yep, yep. And what I love about you saying that is that you are expert in high ticket sales, right? Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So did you like, just like wake up with that expertise of being able to do high ticket sales? Because, and I ask that because I serve an audience of people who um, went to school for whatever, and that's not working. They're burned out. Their body can no longer do that work. And they are thinking about how else to leverage their expertise Mm -hmm. and they're not comfortable having that sort of conversation. So how Mm -hmm. did you come to conversation about money, sales, high ticket, talking about their value, all of that, not comfortable with it. So, yeah. So did you just wake up having those types of conversations or tell me a little bit more? I wish
1: because <laughs> I, I would not have been underpaid for as long as I was if I had just you know come up with it, with that epiphany overnight. But I, I started paying attention to what I was doing, what I was not doing, how other people were presenting themselves versus how I was presenting myself. I thought about what I said. I thought about how I reacted to what was said to me. I paid attention to the nature of questions. So let me give you an example. One person that I was recently talking to, I'm gonna bring up the list that I actually gave her. Um, This is somebody who works for an organization where she doesn't feel that she was being treated fairly and evaluated fairly. And she wasn't sure how she was going to go into that meeting to have her performance review. And she was already very defensive because of what they have said to her in the past. So she didn't feel like they were in her corner anyway. So I said, you need to depersonalize it. And she was thinking of writing a letter after the fact to bring up the same points that she had made before. I said, no, you're going to look reactive. You're going to look defensive. It's going to look as if you only came up with this because you don't like the outcome. So why don't you take the lead and say, okay, the year for the organization lasts how long? How far are we into this process? Are we on track despite the disruptions that happened and changes that were made? Are you on track? And you're actually beyond the pace you need to be to reach the goal at year end. So until I made those points to her through a series of asking her questions and just letting her talk again, I didn't have like a specific series of questions that I was going to ask her, but I knew it was important in making conversation, you ask questions. And as a result of that, we discovered, hey, she's actually not behind. And I said, you also have to be magnanimous in the conversation and say that a certain amount of changes is necessary in an organization, otherwise you would be stale. Nobody wants stale. People like to change things because they feel it gives them a little bit more control over what's going on. So you can be magnanimous. That's the strategy to be magnanimous and say, hey, I understand a certain amount of change is necessary and it's actually healthy, but beyond a certain point where it's constantly changing, then that means there's no real thought process going into these changes and people are just like packing it. And you say there's a certain amount of it that's healthy, but beyond a certain point, it's not. But despite all the disruptions, and there were many, and here's a partial list of the disruptions that happened, we are still on track to meet these goals. So you depersonalize it. You don't take it personally, even though they may have, and because there are some toxic work environments. So even though people may have met things in a negative way, you take the sting out of it. Mm -hmm. You de-weaponize the conversation. And then as a result, you know, you show that you're not just thinking about yourself and that ability to kind of pull yourself, pull your ego out of the conversation. It makes you stronger because it doesn't make you, I would say, prone to being defensive in the conversation. And you can you can just stick to the facts, basically, and they can attack you on the attack you on the facts.
0: So say, okay, so. So thank you so much for sharing that. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of folks and most of them are in the healthcare field, you know, nurses, especially, they're in toxic work environments. And because of that, and you gave great tips for navigating tough conversations in that environment. When they leave that environment, sometimes their confidence isn't at hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. Sometimes they don't feel comfortable asking for their value to be recognized. Mm-hmm. So for people who are new to having sales conversations, What would you say to them? I mean, like, how did you start to learn how to have sales conversations?
1: I focused primarily when I, the first time I had a pure sales job. Now, first of all, whether or not you are in a career or in a business, you're always selling, you're always selling yourself. You're always selling your value and your worth, your skills to someone. So whether or not we realize that we are always in sales and sales is not a bad word. So maybe they're not comfortable with it. Maybe they prefer to use some other words. That's okay. If people prefer to use other words like enrollment, that's fine too. But I think it's more of a approach in the way they think about it, which may make them feel uncomfortable about that word. So my approach when I first had a pure sales job was not about how big of a sale I was going to make. Some of my sales happened to be pretty big and I was not expecting them to be as big as they were. But what I did was I listened to people. Again, that conversation. I was furnished a sales script. I was constantly tinkering with my sales script and said, you know what? That doesn't sound like me. That's not the way I talk. That's not the way I approach people. And even when I'm asking questions, that's not me. So there are some things I learned and I leveraged from a structured sales process. But there's also how do I relate to people? Am I going to feel good about myself if I run into the person in the grocery store? And because I did ride by people and figuring out what their needs were, what was important to them, not necessarily what I had to sell. Of course, I had something to sell, but what do they need and what do I have to offer? What are all the products that I have to offer in, in, in order to meet their need psychologically, financially, based on their budget and all of that? And because of that, sometimes I would be in the middle of a conversation with someone, and they they like not even warn me. They pick up the phone, and they'd call somebody, and they said, "You need to talk to Kareem." <laughs> and they would make a referral right on the spot, like mm-hmm. that. And that made me feel really good because I didn't think, you know, it was not a skill that I was purposely developing. I just had a very uh, strong sense of right and wrong, uh, a sense of doing right by people, because I know that folks, and this was financial sales, by the way. I sold many different financial products. And I know that people in that field don't have a reputation a lot of times of being customer focused, of doing the right thing for the customer. So that was very important to me that I do the kind of job that I would want somebody to do if my parents were their customers. So that was my, my standard. I had a high standard for being able to give people what they needed and how they needed it. So that's how I, I tried to do that. And I also tried to match them very, very uh, well. I had rules that I had to follow so that if I gave the wrong recommendation for what people would sell, then my score would go down. So I learned very much to figure out, okay, what precisely does this person need and what is the best expectation to set with this client? And that gave me a lot of credibility with people that opened doors in terms of getting orphan accounts, meaning people who don't have a rep anymore, they would get assigned to me and people would just introduce me or people would call me out of the blue and said, my friend so-and-so said, I need to talk to you. Hmm. So that gave me a lot of confidence because doing the right thing by people gave me confidence because they trusted me.
0: Awesome. And for you know folks who may be listening if I post this which I most likely will. Um <laughs> this was not in this wasn't a planned um I know this was not a so, plan at all. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> but in any case I'm really I'm thinking I will because you, I think you you said a lot of things that are will be helpful to my listeners because they are they're not used to sales or mm-hmm. so they think. Mm-hmm. As so the thing, but you just mentioned a process called. Well, you mentioned elements of what is the nursing process. So nurses can walk into a train wreck and immediately go to work and start figuring out what needs to be put back into order first, and you know, bring someone back to life if they have to. Yeah. So I'm really to some of those people. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Awesome! Cool! Cool! And so we're used to assessing. We're used to figuring out needs. We're used to finding out what um intervention will best support them to get to their goal of their highest level of functioning. That's the term. It's like our goal is to help get people, you know, as nurses, we don't cure, cut, or poison anything out of people. But what Mm -hmm. we do is help people get back to the highest level of functioning. What that highest level of functioning is, it could look like a variety of different things, but a good assessment, a good assessment, you find out. And by getting data from different places, you find out what that looks like. And, you know, a conversation we call that an assessment. You call it figuring out their needs. Based on that information, we can set goals and choose, help them, you know, to choose which directions, which options will help get them there. And sometimes treatment plans or plans to get them there are already prescribed. But for yeah. nurses who have their own business, guess what? You get to prescribe and choose your own offerings. So, thank you so much for explaining what you did in the way that you did it. It was really helpful. Yeah. And can
1: I comment on one thing you said about mm-hmm. data points? There are positive data points and there are negative data points. When you run labs on a patient, you have, you know, you have a range of what's normal and you have things that are low, things that are high, right? So some of those data points can be considered negative. In the sales process, there are things that happen, things that are said, experiences that people have, and they walk away from that feeling you know, negative about it. It's like, Oh my God, I made such a mistake. I blew this, you know, and they have all these recriminations going through their heads. I went through that too. And you feel like you completely messed up. So that could be considered a data point. It's a negative data point, but it's still a data point. And it's still something that you can use to assess yourself that you can use to improve the way you approach things.
0: Mm-hmm. So just
1: as in that conversation with that lady, I told you about before, you depersonalize it. Okay, how can I say it better? In my consulting practice, I'm used to going into places where uh, people are quite proud of what they built. So for me to come in and rearrange the chairs and say, nope, we're not going to do it like this anymore. I have, to, I have to show some sensitivity to the experience that the person had before and what they tried to do before and not make them feel bad about it. And you know something, it took me losing a very high ticket client. To learn that lesson,
0: do you mind sharing? Do you mind sharing? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: I'll tell you about it now that I'm not crying about it anymore because it's so far in the past. (laughs) Now that you're healed, you can tell the story, (laughs) (laughs) story. (laughs) and I can laugh about it. But at the time, I was mortified, I was mortified because I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong, I had all the right intentions. They said they wanted XYZ, and I was keeping their feet to the fire to get X, Y, Z done. And then after everything kind of fell apart, I reached out to this guy that I was very friendly with on the project. And I said, I don't understand what happened because I was giving them precisely what they wanted. And we had actually accomplished like massive changes for their benefit. So like, why did this go wrong? And she said, you know, Kareem, you're a really great consultant, but sometimes you make people feel bad about themselves. Mm, wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did not know that because I would ask, I would ask, well, why are you doing it this way? Okay. And he said, and he, and that was so, such a great teaching moment for me. I said, instead of, instead of telling people, why are you doing it this way? Because people automatically feel defensive. Mm-hmm. He said, well, maybe you can say, I can see where you go, where you were going with that. Have you thought about doing X, Y, Z instead? Mm. Let me tell you, once I learned that lesson, I never made that mistake again. Wow. And it's pretty funny that that would happen because at a prior client, uh, I think that was two years before that particular client, I had another really big contract, which was awesome. And there were some people in the organization who said, nope, nope, this can't be done. And they brought another consultant like myself into the organization. And they said, yeah, we'll try to figure it out. And then as soon as that new person said, we can figure it out, then the, the incumbents, the people inside the organization said, well, if this is what you wanted, we could have built that for you, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they started backtracking it. Yeah. And they wanted to, they started attacking it by saying, it can not be done like this. They're going to run into these problems. So then I was able to coach those people and say, If you just flat out tell this person it's not going to work, his ego is not going to get in the way of his ego will get in the way of listening to you. Mm -hmm. So how about you put it like this instead? And then it's pretty much the same thing I had done for him. But when I did that, I was not aware that it's actually a great way to work with people when you're in the advice business. But it was not until something went wrong and somebody highlighted that to me, then I realized, oh, that's something I should be doing all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask people questions. And you can, you can be honest with people, but you can ask questions in a way that's safe, where they can... And nurses, you're, you guys are trained in doing that. You're trained into making people feel comfortable to tell you their health data, their health information, which maybe they're not even telling people that they're related to. And here you are a stranger, they have to trust you with that information. So you guys already have that instinctive skill, but you may not think it's something that's transferable to running your own business as nurses.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that we also, that we have that, yeah, instinctive, well, it has been trained. A lot of us, I mean, I don't know how many... People still have this course, but it's actually a couple of classes that we have to that was mandatory. Interpersonal communications, how to take that. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. just have nurses talking any types of ways, and we just don't learn that, you know, natively at home. So there was like an interpersonal communication class, and in nursing, I think it was like 101, empathetic communication. Empathetic communication is a course. I mean, it was a class and role play and all this stuff because you know, we have to be able to get information to do our assessment in a variety of different circumstances. And I like what you said that, you know, those skills that we have, they transfer. And so I found out too, they transfer extremely nicely in the business world. Yes. Nicely. Wow, I can't say I personally, well, no, I can't say that I've made high ticket sales. I love hearing from someone who has, mm-hmm. <laughs> who has made high ticket sales a lot on a regular basis yes. to say that, keys to getting to that level are something that we already have as
1: nurses. Yeah, you already you definitely already have that skill because just the same way if a patient presents themselves to you in a hospital with certain symptoms even though you may have an inkling of what the what they are suffering from you still are going to run into tests. Mm -hmm. Right. Before you say definitively, here's what I'm going to take you through. You do that proper assessment, you do the proper testing, and then you have more credibility with that person in terms of what their care, their care is going to be from, from that point on. You also have you also have the skill of working with people when they're going through a lot of shame and guilt. They know they didn't go to the doctor as often as they, as they sh- should have. They've been having these symptoms for how long? And now that things are falling apart, that's when they're finally coming through the doors of the hospital, or they may be in an acute situation already, and here they are in the ICU. I have, one of my sisters is an ICU nurse. Yeah, so I have a lot of uh, folks who are nurses and you know, a doctor also who I know... The plight that you guys face and it's not easy and sometimes you're meeting people at their worst so that's another thing which is very important for high ticket sales you cannot get your feelings involved and if you are passionate about what you do and the value that you bring both as a nurse dealing with patients or as a business entrepreneurial type of nurse you have to be able to learn how to separate the action that somebody does from the way you end up feeling about it. Or you may understand how you're feeling about it and then be able to separate those things and then be able to move on from that. That's a process that I had to learn and not just learn intellectually, but learn in terms of specific things that happened with some of my past clients. And how do I now separate that and be able to learn from it, and the next time I see that situation coming from a mile away, Mm
0: -hmm. I know how to handle
1: it, and I can handle it with grace, and I don't get offended as easily as I used to, because it's not, it's, you know, people are not trying to hurt you. They're already hurting from their own situation, and their mind is full of that, and you're trying to tease out all the information that you need to do your assessment and, and calm that person down. So it's a delicate balance, it's a skillful thing, but you guys already have that built in. So you may learn a few more things in terms of, well, who needs what I have? A lot of times people say, well, I only know how to do this. My resume as a nurse looks like every other nurse. Well, why? Doesn't have to. I went through, for one of my past clients recently, she runs very large chain organizations. And for a series of of, uh, stores in that chain, she had done some extremely impressive things, but it was not coming across that way. So we did a breakdown, right? and, And we recorded everything. We did the before and the after of how to transform that and bring the highlights of that. So that even though you may have a job that is very common, you may have a skill set that you think is very common, but what is it about the way you do it that is uncommon? I also touched on that in the webinar. I'm doing a Lunch Learn Leap series in, in this month, Fridays this month to talk about how to get ahead in your career. Because I, I spent a lot of time doing that. How to get ahead in your business. You know, When should you go? Are you only doing a business just to escape your job or do you have something of value? And sometimes people don't know who they can serve. They just know, well, I have this thing, who would be interested? So I may help them with, well, here's the kind of person who would be interested in your service and is ready and willing and has a history of paying for your kind of service or something very similar and you can position yourself that way too, to be able to sell to sell what you have
0: to them. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I need to make an official introduction to like conversations that I have that just say, grab a pen and paper, because yeah. I always remind, I always think of like, hey, you might want to grab a pen and paper before you listen to this towards like the end. And it's like, okay, so listeners, I think it might be worth grabbing a pen and paper and going <laughs> back and listening to this because... Kareem just shared, you know, you have the option of doing a case study on your career. You're on, probably on, likely on some committee. You probably were a part of some association. There probably was a problem that you solved and you're probably given some sort of resolution to it. You know, what was there before state? What was your intervention? What was your after state? And that information can can start to build your body of work, how you decide to present it, you know, whether you decide to update your LinkedIn profile to present mm-hmm. it or have a one page blog or something or start Mm -hmm. to do your own podcast where you talk about solutions to problems that you've seen. It's really up to you. Here's here's an example of how to stand out. And I'll, I'll be very specific
1: in this, which is something that can work. So one of the things on my marketing materials is for one client, I reduced 350 hours of work down to 15 minutes. Now you may be wondering, Oh, is it super complicated or not? You don't know, but that by itself is impressive for one nurse that I talked to. People always told her when she was in charge of the ER department, when she was the nurse manager for that day, uh, subbing for other people, other people would come to her and say, I love it when you're in charge. And a few times, she actually got standing ovations where all the nurses at that station were clapping for the way she handled a situation. And that happened multiple times. Those are things. If you put that on your resume, if you put that on your marketing material, you're like, wow, what kind of special sauce does that nurse have that people say, I just love it when you're in charge? Because they know the department is going to run smoothly. They know the communications with other folks. Do we have a bed? Can we send this person here yet? Are we keeping this person in observation? I know a lot of the lingo because I have, I know so many. We (laughs) can tell, we can tell, we're (laughs) hearing it. We are hearing it. I can probably pass for one of you if I had to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah, so things like that happen to you, but it's just that it appears so commonplace during the course of your day you don't get to see that. So sometimes you need that outside perspective. And as you tell your person, as you have that conversation, as I said before, a free-flowing conversation, a lot more happens than you expected. Right before we started this recording, we were deciding, okay, what are we going to talk about? We were planning to talk about one thing. Then we mentioned some. you mentioned something else. And we're like, yeah why don't we record it let's do that you know if we want to trash it we can trash it but let's at least record it in case we got some really great gems and we won't regret having recorded it and that's exactly what happened you know we this was not a planned conversation at all the way at least this was not the direction but it's turning out fabulous you know so tell me what made you decide to do your podcast and to be of service to other nurses And like, what did you notice about nurses that made you want to help them?
0: You know, I, so my mom is a nurse and she had an unexpected job loss Mm. and, you know, at a point where she was like nearing retirement and just seeing her navigate that space of that, I call it traumatic job loss. um, It really made me think about how nurses are packaging their expertise and sharing it with others. And when I was you know, trying to help her find something else, pulling her expertise out of her, it felt like pulling teeth. And so I started paying attention to what I'm doing in my, my, for myself. You know, how am I making it obvious that I know what it is that I say, that I talk about, that I know actually for real, for real? What am I doing about uh, presenting to hospitals, or organizations about things that, interesting, that are interested in, to me? At that time, it was like social media, um, professional use of social media. And One thing led to another, and I started having amazing conversations with people that I meet. I love, for whatever reason, I love, I'm a connector as well. And I would get on the phone with folks, and I would say, almost like what we did, it's like, Mm -hmm. I would have an amazing conversation. I said, you know, I wish I hit record, because I feel as though there are other nurses who are working a 12-hour shift who may not, you know, run across you Mm -hmm. uh, during their 12-hour shift. And once they get home, they're tired, Mm -hmm. they have families. And on their days off, they're recovering, they're doing laundry, they're doing shopping and doctor's appointments for themselves. So they not, may not be meeting these people in their day-to-day life. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way for them to listen in on some of these conversations that I'm having out here with people who can be beneficial to them in their next shift, in their next pivot, in their business that they want to launch, but don't quite know how or whatnot. And yes, I've interviewed nurses who have their own business and who are doing stuff but I've also interviewed people who are marketing experts and I interviewed a patient advocate and I've interviewed an accountant. So, yeah, really have a desire to help people to know what resources are out there for them, mm-hmm. as well as folks who are do have their own business, how they can also be a better resource to their clients and customers.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. There, there are so many things that health impacts that. Even if somebody considers themselves an average nurse, but even in the course of an average nurse's day, there are so many things which stand out to me as somebody outside the situation. Um, If I have a relative in the hospital and I have to visit that relative over the course of several days, there are things that I learn about the process. I'm like, wow, I wish I knew this. Um, Or is this always the way it is? Or was this a special case how to advocate for people? So there are so many, so many things that nurses can provide outside of the strict nursing care that you provide. And you can package that into something that's highly valuable to people, Mm -hmm. but, and, and you don't, you know, I don't sell everything to everybody. Even in my consulting business, I've been in technology for 19 years. Last month was was my 19, 19 year anniversary in technology. But when I decided to create my business, I chose a name for my company that even a lot of people in technology don't really understand. Why? That's because I wanted to stand out to a particular kind of customer. And because, and even then, even though I'm in a niche, there's a lot of other people in the niche. So then how do I distinguish myself from other competitors? So that's the way I, I created, I hate the word intersection because it's so overused, but I showed people how I structure how I structure my skill set in such a way that it's at the intersection of certain things. And that's what enables me to make a case for the kind of clients that I get and to be able to charge what I want to charge. Mm -hmm. So by the same token, between your experience and the kind of nursing you do or in the kind of problems that you've seen, there's probably a way to marry all those things and package it in such a way that's appealing and that has and delivers a high value to people so that it can be a high ticket service or product Mm -hmm. that you offer. So that's what I work with my clients on.
0: Awesome. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, What is your website? And yeah, I don't know if this will be up in time for your lunch and learn series, We'll see yes. what happens. But yeah, how can people get in touch yeah. with you?
1: Actually, my lunch and learn series, there are three more coming up, one in a couple of days, in three days, and two more after that. And what I will do is send the video to folks who missed the first one. So the lunch and learn, lunch, learn, leap. I've done a lot of lunch and learns for my clients in the past. So that's why I wanted to make this very relaxed, conversational webinar just like you and I were talking and there's it's free-flowing it's a free-flowing conversation Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that I'm doing for folks who want to get ahead in their career or if they want to make the leap to entrepreneurship how to do that because I, I went through the ladder and I became an executive and then I decided you know what I still want to work for myself so how do I make that happen without taking on a ton of debt without taking on all of these things. So Lunch, Learn, Leap is the name of it. So we're lunching and learning. It's from 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm sorry, from 12 p.m. Eastern time to 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. That way, if people take lunch from 11.30 to 12.30 or from 12.00 to 1.30, whether you have a half-hour lunch or an hour lunch, sometime between 12 and 2 o'clock, you can jump into the conversation. People can just dial in and ask a question or they can just listen in the background to see what's being done. And as long as people register, then I'll be able to send them the video for each week so that they can learn what other questions people have. I have some folks, there's one guy in the UK, he's running something at the same time that I'm running the Lunch and Learn. So he just sent me his question ahead of time. And then I just answered it in, on the call. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'll thank give you the link and you can share that with folks and they can join me live and ask their question,
0: hot seat style. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karine. I look forward thank to you. staying in touch and I will, again, hope to have this out in time and either way, I'll definitely be sharing the link that you send me with people, other people. Great. Okay? Sounds right, thank good.
1: You. Thanks, Amelia.